What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness, in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Pleasure is available to all of us. It's like equivalent to drinking water and eating. If you want to have mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, you need to tap into your pleasure. It's something that we just have to have. Dr. Joy is a relationship expert and sexologist who knew so little about sex when she was growing up that when she caught a glimpse of it, she had no idea what she was seeing. First of all, my mother just really wouldn't talk about sex other than, you know, don't have sex. I think when I was about 12, I remember opening the door of one of the bedrooms. We would go back and forth between an apartment in Queens and then upstate. We had a house because my family owned funeral homes. But anyway, my mom was in one of the bedrooms. It was like the middle of the night. I have no idea why I walked in there. I don't know if I was going to ask her something, but she was on the floor, like sitting up. And the gentleman who used to help us with stuff, his head was between her legs. And I was just so confused of what was happening. And I just backed out of the room, but she saw me. And then she just kind of like got up and shuffled and, but just never said anything about what happened. Just, it was just nothingness. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It was just like, what? (laughs) Why would someone's head be between someone's legs? This is very strange. The thing about it is my mother didn't really have, I mean, she did have a boyfriend, but even when she had a boyfriend, he was just the guy who would take me fishing. And he was just the guy who I loved and I guess she loved him. And, you know, he was just this really cool guy, but it wasn't like identified as her boyfriend. He was just a guy, but he was a really important guy who would fix her car and all that stuff. And she never was like, this is my boyfriend. It was just no identification of anything, you know, like she just didn't talk about stuff. And I don't think I even knew what that was until maybe when I was in college or something like that. I was like, what is this thing that's going on? <laughs> yes. like, so, I could totally yeah. imagine that. Especially given that Joy had had basically zero sex ed. I barely think they told us how babies were born. <laughs> One thing did help her start to blossom into her sexuality, she said. HBO. I feel like the first time that I masturbated was probably on the love sea. I was 15. Again, my mother was involved. It's so weird. She was asleep on the couch snoring. I was on the love sea, which is the other side of the living room. <laughs> and it was probably one of those times where like HBO was free or something and there was like a trial. And so it was like middle of the night and some sex scene is on. I'm like, what's happening here? Which inspired her to make something else happen an exploratory thing where I'm like touching myself and like, wow, there's a reaction happening here. What, what is this? That was the first time I even knew that something could happen with your body. And then once you find out, you got to like do it all the time now. Like, oh, okay then. You know, it's so lovely because I, you know, thinking back then how I really could absolutely just use my imagination to make all sorts of things happen. I didn't have to use anything else at all. So great. So great. Oh, that is great. <laughs> Today, Dr. Joy does groundbreaking work as a polyamorous, sex-positive therapist. She guides others who are navigating, among other things, 
non-traditional partnerships. None of that was on her radar early on either. I knew pretty early on that I was bisexual for sure. But I guess some of the other messaging, because growing up Christian and things like that, was that definitely you, you couldn't be anything other than heterosexual. You had to wait to be married, to have sex and all those things. So I was probably the only person in high school who wasn't having sex. And I didn't know. Everybody kept it from me that they were having sex. And then they didn't tell me until after college. Like, yeah, Joey, we were all having sex and smoking weed. And we didn't tell you because your mom was ridiculous. So we knew if we told you, she would somehow find out. I'm like, what? Wait a minute. (laughs) So it wasn't actually until I was divorced and I was probably 39 or something like that. And I was dating. I was at a point in my life where my husband was pretty much the reincarnation of my mother. Very much a perfectionist. I actually identified her as the black mommy dearest. She's no longer alive, but like literally very much controlling. My ex-husband was also very, very controlling and I could not live authentically at all. You know, I let him know my sexual orientation and what I wanted to do. And he was like, nope, not going to happen. Like, wow. So after I got divorced, I decided that that was just not going to be my life ever again. And I was just going to be who I was going to be. And anyone I dated was either going to have to deal with that or just not date me. I started dating my then partner. Maybe it was a month or so. And I was like, I just want you to know that I'm definitely going to have a girlfriend. Just letting you know what's, what's going to happen. And you can hang out or not. I had no intentions of sharing. That woman would be her girlfriend, a separate relationship. And so he says to me, okay, so, you know, why don't we do it together? And I'm like, er, <laughs> I don't want to do it together. I'm just telling you what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, so then he basically started doing some research and presented to me actually the lifestyle and kind of like swinging and things like that. I didn't even know that this was a thing. I literally didn't know. The lifestyle is another term for swinging, which involves things like partner swapping for sex. Many people consider it a form of ethical non-monogamy, and Joy was intrigued by the idea. So we started actually getting into the lifestyle and like going to clubs, and what's interesting is that people are really lovely. They're very not judgmental, and so we made really good friends. We had a lot of fun. We went to a lot of places. Through doing so, Joy learned a lot about her desires. What I actually discovered about me and my sex is that I cannot have sex with people that I don't have an emotional connection with. So I actually ended up not having sex with anybody. I did a lot of dancing, a lot of eating, all of the things, but I, I just couldn't have sex. I couldn't do it. There was a lot of beautiful women, a lot of great looking men, but I was like, oh, like, like, I don't know you. And that led to more important revelations. He started looking up polyamory and what that was. And That was when we had our first triad. We had a girlfriend, beautiful girlfriend. She was just absolutely nuts. Happens sometimes, right? Still, that triad relationship, she said, was beautiful when it was beautiful, and really the beginning of Joy's polyamory journey. Polyamory is basically the practice of engaging in multiple romantic relationships, which may or may not involve sex. Venturing into it, helped Joy learn and unlearn many things that she'd gleaned about relationships. Do you recall a specific experience that stands out as far as realizing that, oh, this is something that I carried over from these beliefs I've absorbed and we need to like figure this out? Yeah, absolutely. Like the first time, like him sleeping over with this other person. He went out with someone and rather than returning home that night, 
he arrived home in the morning, which set Joy off, and she laid into him a bit. How dare you? Why would you think that it was okay for you to come back at that time? And he's like, well, why would I not? I'm in a relationship with this other person. How would I know to come back at this certain time? She took a breath and realized he had a point. You're right. (laughs) How would you know, right? So you can't make the assumption, you know, because I don't own you. We don't have a rule. You don't have a curfew. You're not a child. And you literally are in a relationship with this other person. And I'm actually in a relationship with her as well. Yeah, I cannot make that assumption. You're right. We didn't talk about it. Along with those teaching moments and challenges, Joy has found many aspects of polyamory deeply rewarding, especially this idea that every partner is different and activates different things in you. So you get to have different things reflected out of you. There's something that might be dormant in you that another beautiful soul can kind of like poke in you. They see something different in you. They light something up different in you. One person can tap into the creative side of me. One person can really make me giggle. One person can really make me orgasm very, very different, right? One person will feed me a different kind of food. (laughs) You know, like, I mean, everyone brings out something different and I appreciate it. This topic came up in a recent support group Dr. Joy led to, in a sort of reverse way. This gentleman was upset because his partner was picking other people who looked nothing like him. And he was like, I don't understand. Like, he obviously doesn't like me. I'm like, no, he does like you. And you are one of, like, you are you. Like, you are the gem that you are. Why would you want him to get a clone of you? Imagine if he chose only partners who looked just like him. Like, I would be more worried. Like, are you trying to replace me? You're literally trying to get me again? I don't want you to get me. Go get somebody else. And that's the thing. You want somebody to be different. And I don't want you to get all the needs you're already getting here. Get other things from somebody else. Did you know that sex toys can make orgasms last longer? They also make big O's more likely. Whether you use a toy alone or with a partner, I highly recommend having at least one that you love. If you want to stock up on toys or your favorite lube or get a really fancy designer one, you can get free, always discreet shipping on orders over $75 at The Pleasure Chest. Simply head to thepleasurechest.com and search by category for vibrators, strap-ons, kink accessories, toys for couples, and more. Basically, you can build your own pleasure chest by shopping at thepleasurechest.com. At the start of new poly relationships, new relationship energy, NRE, is a big topic. It's that intense, punch-drunk feeling pretty much everyone experiences while falling for someone. And how you navigate that in a non-monogamous partnership can make a big difference. I've heard different things about new relationship energy. Some people I've spoken to are like, they love it so much and it works really well Mm -hmm. still in their primary partnership if they have one. 
Other mm-hmm. folks I've talked to have said it's one of the challenging aspects for them because it's like so they've used words like intoxicating and I, you know, have harder time with my primary relationship, et cetera. So I'm sure it varies so much. But what has your experience been like? I mean, it is both of those. Yeah. One person loves it so much and one person hates it. I mean, it's just that simple. <laughs> it's, it's both of those. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like being high. The person who's high likes it and the person who has to watch the high person doesn't like it. Like, it's just <laughs> it's just like that. Like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> what I say to, you know, my couples, I'm like, you know, the person who has to experience their partner with this NRE, please give them some grace. Don't expect them to not have it. Like, how do you try to get someone to turn down their sensations, like they're going to experience this thing. That would be like telling someone to hold their breath. You know, you can't really ask them to do that. But then I asked the other person, I'm like, hey, do me a favor. Don't come back to the house and skip when you walk inside. Like, calm down. Like, you can be happy, but you don't need to do that. However, you know, a lot of couples really do like sharing their joy with each other. And you can experience compersion, meaning like you experience joy that your partner is having joy, but it doesn't mean again that it like has to be all consuming like all you're talking about is this new person like I get it you're having a good time but we still have our whole lives like it it can't be all about oh my god this person is so great but am I still great you know what I mean you can still experience both of those things so validate each other's experience until this person can come down from it and it still gets equalized as long as the original partner's needs are still being met and the agreements are still being met the original partner needs to figure out ways to self-soothe because this is just a natural part of relationships, you know? When it comes to myths about polyamory, there is definitely no shortage. And those myths really cause problems at times in poly relationships. They always say, it, oh, it's just an excuse for cheating. I'm like, I don't even understand, like literally from the context of the English language, what that means. It's an excuse for cheating. Like, because you can actually cheat in a polyamorous relationship. I'm like, I don't know what you mean by that. I'm like, no, it's an actual agreement that everyone has. Now, there are people who will move under the guise of ethical non-monogamy, right? And say like, I'm ethically non-monogamous and I'm telling my partner that this is what I want, but they're actually coercive. And they're telling their partner, this is what I want to do. But they're also telling their partner, but you can't touch anybody. You can't talk to anybody, right? Like, I don't want you to do anything, but I, I want to have all the all the treats, right? Please go sit down somewhere. Hmm. Don't do anything. And I know that you're really, really uncomfortable. I know that psychologically this is very damaging to you, but I have to have it because this is the makeup of me. So please, this is what I have to do. That's different. And they're saying that they're ethically non-monogamous. Dr. Joy has had this play out in various ways in her practice. For instance, this particular couple. They were not having sex in their relationship and their partner was not interested in having sex. And they told their partner, like, I really, really want to have sex. And their partner was like, yeah, not really interested. So this person was bisexual. And so what they did was they, they got on Grindr. So they started having sex a lot. <laughs> like secretly? Yes, yeah, secretly. And he's found out. And so, of course, his wife is devastated. Like, oh my gosh, how could you do the thing? And he's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know how this came about. But they agreed that maybe they should open their relationship. Now, this does happen a lot where there's infidelity and then they decide that maybe we should just kind of reestablish the rules of the relationship. There's actually a book specifically for this, The New Monogamy. It starts out talking about the infidelity, 
first, you have to process the infidelity, why it happened. We have to have an understanding about it. We have to rebuild trust. And then we can break down, okay, what are the things that we need to have? How do we need to address our sensual needs and all the things and then go forward? Dr. Joy recommended that book to the couple. I told him, like, take this and you guys need to do this together. So what was so interesting is I'm giving this resource and he's like, yeah, but she doesn't want to read it. I'm like, huh? This is confusing. She decides, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start seeing my high school boyfriend. But you can't see anybody. You can't see anybody. You can't have sex. You're on sex probation. But the relationship is open, though. But you can't have sex. And I'm, I'm like, oh, so you're being punished. He's like, no, no, no. No, no, no. She says it's not punishment. I'm like, sounds like punishment, but okay. So eventually she sleeps with her old high school boyfriend. The guy is having some trouble because he doesn't want her to have an emotional connection with this person. That's not something you can ever stop. She does. She has an emotional connection with the person. She has sex with him. He's not having sex with anybody. He's not having sex with her. They're sleeping in the same bed. He has to look at this woman. He can't touch her. He can't touch anybody. She then says that this high school boyfriend is her soulmate. And I'm just like, I'm dumbfounded. How do you even know that this is her soulmate? Oh, because she told me. I'm like, this is abusive. I don't understand what's happening right now. But she's doing this all under the umbrella of this is ethical non-monogamy. Like, this is not ethical non-monogamy. Please do not claim this to our community. This has nothing to do with ethical non-monogamy. I promise you, this is not what this is. That ordeal became more dramatic and perplexing. Oh my goodness, you can hear more about it in a bonus clip in the Girl Boner Patreon. In any case, Dr. Joy said it is not uncommon for someone to bring up some horribleness that they're going through in a support group or when talking to friends about their supposedly ethical non-monogamous relationship when in fact what's happening isn't actually ethically non-monogamous. And it's not going your way. You have a narrative about something. And so you're going to force it to be the way that you want it to be. It doesn't matter if it's reality or not. It's, it's going to be the way you want it to be. But this is what people do. And this is what people do with everything. And so just putting it in the context of like polyamory and ENM, we can't believe everything people say. Just because they say it doesn't make it true. We have to really process things for ourselves. Yeah. So. And it's mm-hmm. so interesting how I think partly because of this lack of education and understanding about all relationship styles and dynamics Mm -hmm. and sexuality. It's interesting how ethical non-monogamy and monogamy both, people will use it as these like what they want. So it's like monogamy becomes this sort of like, well, we're monogamous, so you're not allowed to think about A, B, and C or something, you know, like these kind of extreme things. And the same thing with polyamory and non-monogamy and open relationships where people, they think that anything that is not, we only have sex with each other Mm -hmm. is like, Mm -hmm. okay, but aren't they missing Mm -hmm. the, the ethical part? Exactly. Like ethical, there's consent, right? Like everybody in this thing is aware. Everyone says, I'm okay. No one's under emotional duress when agreements were made. It's not an agreement. If, if I'm like terrified of losing you, if I'm in a, a state where I can't really make decisions, I'm like super depressed right now. I just lost something else in my life. There's so much that makes something ethical and we have to take our time and nobody thinks about it because everyone is really more so thinking about themselves and what they want in this moment. 
the need for more thoughtfulness and communication is something we can all learn from, Dr. Joy said. And monogamous couples can learn a lot from couples who approach ENM well. What being in ethical, non monogamous relationships will really teach you is about you. You are challenged to do so much introspection. People say, oh, I can never do that because I'm just so jealous. We're human. You think we don't have jealousy? Of course we have jealousy, but we are challenged to deal with it differently. We can't just tell our partner, I'm jealous, so stop that thing. We made an agreement that you can do that thing. So clearly I have to figure out another way to deal with this thing, right? Maybe I should think about the wound that is creating this jealousy. Maybe I should think, do I have needs that are not being met? Do I have insecurity that is creating this jealousy, right? What narrative am I telling myself right now? What kind of uh, train is going through my head that I'm just letting go that I can stop? What's under my control and what's not, right? What boundaries have I not set that I need to set right here? What assumptions am I making that I need to not be making? What kind of support do I need from my partner or maybe from my best friend? What kind of spiritual support do I need? What kind of food am I eating? Like, what am I putting in my body? How am I moving my body? Have I been meditating enough? There's so many things that really makes you look at you that every couple, every individual can look at differently. And non-monogamous relationships, Joy said, really help you dig into all of that. She helps many people navigate those things in her work, a career that her early curiosities inspired. Being a polytherapist, being a sexologist, they stem from really suppression, right? Like these are all the things that I was always interested in when I was younger and all the things that I was told, you can't talk about this, you can't look at this, you can't be this. When I was 15, I remember laying on my mom's belly. I remember laying on her and I said, what would happen if I liked girls or if I was gay? And I remember her immediately start crying. And I don't think she answered me. And I was like, okay, never mind. And that was kind of the end of that. And she passed away when I was like 19. So there was never a time where I ever identified as anything other than heterosexual, like with her. My best friend, Jeff, he came out, I think we were like 16 or something. She was in love with Jeff. Oh, it was disgusting, the two of them. Like he would get her these Hershey bars for her birthday because it was like her favorite candy in the world. And she would get him stuff for his birthday too. Like they, they were each other's favorite people. At the time, teenage Joy did not understand Jeff's draw. Because she was so mean. Why do you like her? As much as Joy's mom adored Jeff, she couldn't wrap her head around his sexuality. I remember being in my mom's room one day and she being like, oh man, I love Jeff so much. It's too bad he's going to hell. I'm like, are you serious right now? This is bananas. Jeff? You love Jeff. And so it, it was those moments there where I'm like, how do you love a person so much and believe these bonkers things? Like, how could you possibly in your body feel such things? How is this possible? It's these pivotal moments in my life where I'm like, I have to do things to free people from their own minds, honestly, because I know my mother wasn't free from so many things in her mind. You know, there was like things around like colorism, religion. And my mom, before I was born, was a hippie, right? Like she was a flower child and she wrote poetry and she was into astrology and, you know, she had a big afro, like all these things. 
And then she had to take over the family business. And then she had to wear a suit every day. I saw my mom in pants twice in my entire life. You know what I mean? So it was just this different thing that she had to transition and she didn't really get to be this flowy mermaid person that she really was. And it was so sad. And I didn't recognize it until I was an adult and a therapist. And then I reflected, I was like, oh my God, my mother was depressed. What? It didn't register. And so that's when it's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to have to be her. And I don't want anyone to have to be her. I want us just to be free and to exhale and to just fully be embodied in our eroticism and whatever it is that we want to be, because what are we here for if not for that? Joy is committed to helping women cultivate self-love and fully embody their sexuality so that they can become their best authentic and liberated selves. And you don't have to be a therapy client to work with her. I love working with my goddesses because of my PhD in sexology and the research that I've done for how we really need to work with our our sexuality, our sensuality. I feel that utilizing somatics or body work is really what helps us. Truth is really felt in the body, right? So trauma affects our idea of the truth. Trauma lies to us. Trauma tells us that everything stays the same. Everything is scary. We approach everything the same way. So when it comes to trauma and pleasure, it tells us that we can't have pleasure, that we can't relax, we can't be present, we can't receive. So what I help people understand again is that they can relax, they can be present, and they can receive pleasure by doing erotic embodiment. And I use sensual yoga She offers sensual yoga at conferences, retreats, and on demand with a program called Glowing Your Goddess Yoga. And at the heart of all of that work is personal pleasure. Pleasure is available to all of us, and it is not actually something that I think we feel that it's a luxury or it's optional. It's like equivalent to drinking water and eating. If you want to have mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, You need to tap into your pleasure. It's something that we just have to have. As for figuring out your own best relationship style or even what's next for you as far as sex or sensuality, Dr. Joy shared this advice. Get quiet, especially if you are someone who's thinking of being poly, right? You have all these relationships and we call people and we're like, what do you think of this? And what do you think of this? Get quiet and come back to you and ask you more often than not, what do you feel about this? Stop ignoring what you feel about this thing and go with that. Because we keep going outside and then we end up in these spaces that we don't necessarily want to be. And then we have to come back to scratch anyway because we ignored how we felt. So get quiet, get intuitive, and go with your truth. Learn more about Dr. Joy and her programs at joyberkheimer.com. And if you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please do join my community at patreon.com slash girlboner. I recently added a full sex toy bonus episode, and you can opt out anytime. I'd also love it if you'd let your friends know about the show. 
Thank you so much for listening.